Welcome to The Grow Show with me as your host, Joe Camerato. I am an entrepreneur who created my company, National Business Capital, from literally $0 out of my spare bedroom to over $2 billion in business loans secured for entrepreneurs nationwide. Since 2007, I have seen just about every type of business. I provide money and help entrepreneurs access capital to scale fast, but I also know that it's possible for you, as you scale, to replace yourself to build systems, processes, and great teams of people that can live on without you so you can actually enjoy your life and your company can still grow. I will not only tell you the peaks and valleys of my story, but I will also bring on world-class entrepreneurs to tell their stories and share their lessons on their growth journeys. Welcome to The Grow Show. All right, welcome to The Grow Show with obviously me as your host, Joe Camberato. You can follow me at Grow by Joe. And on my show, we talk about uh, just everyone, business owners, entrepreneurs, people making it happen, growing, doing their thing to get themselves and, of course, their companies to the next level. And today, I've got an awesome guest, uh, Ann Gannon, um, and her company is the Largo Group. Um, Ann is an entrepreneur, um, college-level instructor, and former pro golfer turned CPA. Golf is definitely more fun. And with uh, ten with ten years in the public uh, in public accounting, and founded the Largo Group in 2016 with the goal of creating an innovative approach for accounting that works for the business owner. This unique approach continues to be the difference maker for many businesses all over the country. And published her first book in 2021, uh, Never Again: An Owner's Guide to Creating Resilient Business During the COVID-19 Pandemic Recovery, which I'm sure we can all learn from that. The Largo Group continues to offer free courses to enhance the accounting knowledge and skills for entrepreneurs. Well, without further ado, uh, welcome, uh, Anne. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Good stuff. I didn't know that you were a pro golfer. That's uh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we've talked about everything uh, but golf when we've had our <laughs> conversation. <laughs> right. We have something yeah. uh, more to talk about. Uh, yeah. It, it seems like when uh, we get together and have these talks, we can talk endlessly you know, what, what I love about you is, you know, not only you, you help and grow your business, um, it, very similar to me, as I'm growing my business, I'm also helping the business owners grow their businesses, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. And I think it's so much fun to be a part of someone's journey. Like, that's what I really love in accounting. It's like accounting is what it is. And it's not always the most exciting thing. But when you realize that those numbers like tell a story, and you're really trying to, you know, talk to someone about their dream, and then it happens. I mean, it's it's really cool to be to be a part of that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the things that can happen when you actually execute on those dreams. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Good stuff. So why don't you tell us a little bit like, how did you kind of, you know, how'd you get started? You went pro golfer and then did you have this one day like you know I'm just having too much fun playing golf I really want to be a CPA <laughs> well yes so I grew up um I played golf all through high school college and then um, my senior year of college I actually had a really good um summer because usually in women's amateur golf the big deal is your summer tournaments because that's where all the points are and your rankings and so after my senior year I was ranked 11th in the country and so all of a sudden it was like well like I'd kind of been on the fence well are you going to try or not because you knew a lot of the girls that were going out and trying. And so then I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. But, um, you know, what I realized when I went out there is, you know, I was always someone who, like, I was an economics major as my undergrad. And I was always very fascinated with business and, you know, 
and in golf, you meet a lot of entrepreneurs, like a lot of the people that are out in the country clubs and like hosting the players when they come to town are the entrepreneurs. And what yeah. I realized when I turned pro was like, I don't want to talk about the golf swing or the angle of the club. Like that's not something that I enjoy, but I really love all of these people that I've you know met along the way who have been mentors. And so it was one of, it was probably the hardest discussion to have with my coach because my coach who'd put in like years of free lessons and had just been amazing you know supportive because my family had like very little money growing up and you know he's like how do you know after six months and I'm like I just know for that one reason, right? Like, I just don't care where my club face is at impact. Like, you know, it's just not my passion where like, I want to go and find, you know, something that I love. And when, um, so I was very lucky to have like one of my professors who was an accounting professor also was a golfer and she pulled me aside and she's like, you know, accounting and economics are very similar, just more math and accounting. But if you're good at economics, you usually end up being okay in accounting. So if you apply yourself, like that's a much better career path. And so I did, I went back for my master's in accounting. And then when I got into sort of the first public accounting into a a big firm in Boston, it was amazing to me how different my background had been because you feel like oh everyone's like seen what I've seen or or, you know been on the same path and you're like you know that's not really the case that everyone in this firm had a dream of being an accountant or in like a public company or you know a partner and I loved our clients like I loved dealing with the entrepreneur and so what I realized is I wanted to find a way to where I could interact with that client that I love versus more of like the corporate stuff which I really didn't have an interest in so you know after a couple of years that's where the, the larger came to be was like let's figure out a way to get rid of the red tape because in the accounting world there's so much red tape there's so much like well you know you have to spend the least amount of time possible so you don't have time to talk to clients and you know the idea was how can we eliminate some of that, if not all of that? Like, how can we find a way to do it better to where our business clients who are really more underserved in the larger firms really feel like they have a voice and a team that's behind them? Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And, and and you really, now, do you own, like, like, I know you have a big focus on hospitality uh, and, and restaurants. Is that your only focus or is that just like a niche and, um, you know, uh, and you just know those customers really well? Yeah, I mean, we deal with all different small businesses. And I, you know, I don't really think that, um, you know, that it's that one industry is, you know, better or worse. I think with hospitality, it's a harder accounting, because they have so many more systems and ins and outs than most small businesses. So it just seems to be like a very underserved group that just it's more complex like if you own a retail shop you could maybe do your books yourself and you know kind of figure it out and then go to a cpa at the end of the year if you own a restaurant especially now with like third parties and you know point of sales it's like there is so much that it's very hard for them to even the smallest ones to be able to really do their accounting on their own yeah i I mean i think all businesses i mean things just are moving so much quicker today you know, you could do payments in, in, in multiple ways. Um, I think a lot of business used to be all cash. So you had the cash, you could buy it. Now you're transacting and all right. over the place. But um, I mean, if you're going to grow a, a, a business and a real business, you got to have your your books in order. And it's funny because that's my next question is like, why do you, why is bookkeeping so neglected <laughs> by business owners? It's, it's you know... Um, I know. I you know, we see, you know, we see thousands of applications per month and 
I mean, it's not just like like a lot of people like, oh, you know, companies just getting started. They don't know. I mean, I, I see businesses doing 10 million plus a year in revenue that don't really have their books together and really like a process around yeah. their yeah. bookkeeping. I know. And I think some of it is, you know, I really think it's a kind of a broken model with the accountant at the end of the year for small businesses because too much changes during the year. So I think it's easy to put off, right? Because there's no deadline except for the big deadlines that we all know about. But, you know, there really isn't a deadline if you don't get your financials out at the end of the month because you don't have investors in most cases or anything like that. So it's easy to sort of put on the back burner. And I think especially in the last couple of years with COVID, you know, it was like, well, I just don't have time to deal with that, but I'll deal with it at some point. And then you realize that, you know, you're financials are just wrong. Like there's, they're missing things and, you know, there's just payments everywhere. And, you know, you can always tell, I think the more seasoned owners who have been down the road of getting turned down for a loan because they didn't have good financials. And they are yep. the ones that know like, okay, nope, I'm going to take this month. I'm going to make sure my PL is right. I'm going to make sure my balance sheet's right. But I think it's until you've had that lesson where you're like, well, wait a minute, how can you not say my business is worth investing in? And it's like, well, <laughs> this is not good. Like, there's well, no, yeah, there's nothing you know there. It's good, but if you can't show it on paper, right. how good it is, right? Um, you know, and, and, you know, when I first got started, I used to hand it all my stuff at the end of the year. And I just got frustrated with all the work. Like you think that you're just kicking a can down the road and you wind up having to do all this work in such a short period of time. And it's just stressful. And more importantly, as you're growing, you know, I, I couldn't sleep now if I didn't know where, what we did exactly down to the penny last month, you, you know? Yeah. Um, and it also it helps you identify issues and, and, and problems. Um, and, uh, you know, and then if you need financing, you know, you, you know, usually you need it yesterday because you have a challenge or an opportunity. So having those books together, like it, it's just, it's really just really, you know, important. Um, yeah. So. Well, and I think you touched on something really important because I also think that a lot of times people think if I have an outsourced accounting firm or bookkeeping firm that they're going to do everything like, oh, it's, you know, it's a like cleaning service. I'll never have to clean again because they're going to clean for me. And that's not the case, because I think even if you have someone doing the transactions and doing, you know, the work that you as the owner still need to have those checks, because there's so many times where people assume you know, on the accounting side that we would know, right? Like if your manager goes and uses your Amex and goes to Home Depot, I would never know that that manager doesn't go to Home Depot, right? Like there's always things that you, yeah. the owner, yeah. are, are the only one who knows. And I think it's really important as an owner that you see that you're not just looking at this for the sake of looking at it, that it's also like a control over your money to make sure that nothing is happening. 100%. And, and I think, you know, too, uh, yeah, we have those checks here. And, you know, notifications and things that get put in a report that, you know, I, I sign off on monthly. So I know because and then everyone's got their own, you know, my managers have their own card. And then we have a process of how we account for that stuff and look at it. And the other thing, too, is like the reoccurring bill, you know, like those reoccurring, reoccurring payments that just love like to ding the credit card. You know, we're, we're, I'm big on, on reoccurrings and eliminating them fast because they can just yeah. eat into your oh, money. Yeah. Um I think about too, like, cause I always talk about this. I talked about this with you once before, just that so many owners don't realize that you can finance equipment and pick up the depreciation. 
And like, how many times do people like buy a piece of equipment, don't tell you that they bought a piece of equipment <laughs> and then it's not like booked the right way? Because you can depreciate it, but it's really an asset on your balance sheet. So if it's just put there and expensed out, then you don't really have those assets on your balance sheet. Like, yeah. So you could, and then, you know, going to get, you know, financing and stuff, if you had a stronger balance sheet, I mean, there's more that goes into it than just, you know, having equipment on there, but you know, how, how does that get missed a lot? You know? Oh, all the time. And I think it really starts to like, if, if I feel like people should at least, even if you're not going to finance, but what, whether you're looking to finance now or at some point in the future, or you're not sure if you ever will, if you look at your financials from the eyes of someone, an investor, right? Like someone who doesn't know anything about your business and they're just looking at it as an investment, not you yourself or the or anything, just an investment. You know, you really start to look at things like the assets and so many times I see that missed where you have like a full restaurant and it shows, you know, 30,000 of assets. You're like, there's no way that this is 30,000. Yeah. I mean, it costs you, you know, 200,000 into this build out. Like, where is that? Like, how did that yeah. get missed? And yeah. in, the reality of it is it happens all the time, especially as people, again, aren't really putting the time into the numbers. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, at the end of the year, my accountant will know. Like, they won't, and they'll forget, yeah, and it's, it's gone. Expense. Yeah. You don't have enough balance sheet, so it looked like you didn't invest in your business. And, yeah. and um, you know, even the way sometimes you pull money out, too, for like a distribution, you know, versus like paying another corp, you know, like. So, you know, you just really can uh, can can really kill your financials. I know. And I think it starts with that understanding of just like, OK, you know, this is you still want to get the dollars out like the distributions. But, you know, do you see that there? Does it is it like paper trail? Because as much as you don't want to have a paper trail, when you go for financing, you want to show them that you're able to take money out of your business. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, that's uh, that's um, that's interesting. You know, what, what do you think, you know, we, we kind of touched on this now, but like, what is your business biggest challenge when, you know, servicing clients, you know, is it just getting the information? I mean, or, or, you know, is there something else? So two things, I think it's um, first education, right? Like letting them know, because I think a lot of times we have had clients who've come to us who said like, oh, my old CPA used to make me cry. <laughs> like, that's why are you going to someone who yells at you? <laughs> like, that's, that's not good. So I think, you know, it, the traditional CPA is very intimidating, right? Like they're, you know, yeah. a lot of them, I mean, not to generalize, but in that relationship, and a lot of times the small business owner is a little bit timid or doesn't ask it doesn't say and so i think first with us it's really kind of trying to change that to say i need you to understand what we need and that way we make sure that we have everything because really you as the owner should be the second set of eyes against what i've done but that you there could be something happening that i truly don't know about but if we don't go through it together we're never going to find it right so that's okay that we're going through it together and it will make it better and then i think the second one is you know that understanding the end result for for me is very important when I first start working with someone. So, you know, if I know that the end result is I want two more locations in three years or I want to sell my business in three years, I mean, the people that are able to do either of those, right, on the spectrum, like I'm at the end and I'm trying to sell in the next couple of years or I'm at the beginning and I really want to grow – 
there's things we have to do right now to get you there in three years. Like it doesn't just happen, right? And especially on the financial side, because either way, you're now exposed. Someone's going to be looking at these books. Someone's going to be asking questions. So we have to make sure that we're doing our work right away and not just, oh, I want to sell next month. What do you think? And it's like, no, we're not. Like, <laughs> There's lots of things that we need to do here to make sure that we're ready to go. So to me, it's understanding that end result at the beginning so we can start to talk about things like compensation or cash flow and and just make sure that that you're doing the right things along the way yeah no that makes complete sense and and you know i think you know especially when it comes to you know restaurants and hospitality but really any business i think the real value is you know building something and and, and eventually selling it and you know if that's what you plan to do there's definitely different things that you need to do starting now yeah um but you know how important do you think it is for like the ability like with the businesses that you're thinking of, you know, once you really know that, then the ability to get capital is really important for like, how, how important do you think it is for owners, their, their ability to get capital and grow in their business? Oh, definitely. And I think it's something that they need to be aware of that three-year plan and preparing for it. I mean, so many times we see people in the middle of a build out or near the end of a build out and they don't have enough cash. And now, you know, the whole thing is at risk or we're skimping and we're not spending any money on advertising because we don't have any cash. And it's like, this all could have been avoided if we can just do, like, I always try at the beginning of any sort of growth to just do a cash flow plan, right? Like, okay, if it's going to take a year for your contractor to get everything like open and ready to go, like, what does that year look like and you know the more detailed we can be of like well i'd really have to hire a gm three months in advance because i need him to go to the other location and learn what we're doing and then i'm going to bring the staff in 30s because to me in what i've seen usually it's the labor where people get in trouble like they may have planned for the construction costs but then you know a month of payroll is huge for a restaurant or you know any small business and then if that gets delayed because you know it took an extra week to get clearances or you know permits or whatever it is well now like that payroll is just draining you so i always think it's really important to look at you know really six months of capital on the other side of opening because you could open and then you know depending on time of year there's a snowstorm or you know like things yeah. happen and we can't just assume that cash flow is going to be great month one right it's still going to take time and the lag of cash like it really is a six-month thing and i think if people can look at a project and be you know not crazy over but over enough to where you feel comfortable you're going to make better decisions at that crunch time when you're trying to get open because you're not so worried about your cash balance today. Because in reality, if the if it works, it doesn't matter what your cash balance is on day one because you know it's going to be cash flow positive once it's up and running. But we have to get yeah. it there. If it all, you might as well have more money in the bank and it all works out, right? Like, yeah. but it, I've never I've never done a build out in uh in you know I've you know, have had a few houses now bought, sold, whatever. I've never done a build out in my home or any type of construction on anything in my home that has not gone over. I've never done a build out <laughs> in any of my offices over the years <laughs> that has been done on time nope. and hasn't gone over. Like right. I always push that we need to have it done by this time, but I know that it's not going to be done by this time. Right. Exactly. And, and, and it all, and, and I think you go through it a few times if you get really good with you know, overestimating what it's going to cost and, and, you know, knowing that it's underestimated of when it's going to be done. And even with that, it, you're still, I still find myself a little bit over 
and still with adding the buffer on the time, not getting in, 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 in the time. And I think especially coming out of COVID where you can't like getting materials and, and even oh, yeah. you know, people to show up for work and all these different things. I mean, it just added, you know, it just added, uh, you know, time, more time to everything and more costs, yeah. you know, and I think what I see too, which is really important if you're watching today and you're, you're thinking about an expansion, like what you said, especially with, you know, especially restaurants, cause it's so build out intensive, um, and then permits and there's all these things that can delay and all these things, you know, cost big dollars, like build outs are big money. Um, you know, paying people to help with permits and everything else. There's all these fees and everything. But when people, a, a lot of like, a lot of um, restaurant owners, a lot of people like in construction contractors are very big with, you know, because there's a lot of cash and businesses and stuff like that. Like just, I pay for everything, you know, cash. I don't, I don't borrow money. And what's, when you go into like, what I've seen is people go into building out another location and they're doing it all out of their existing cash flow, which there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is, is when they're they are short, and then they're really draining their existing business, and and that now they're going they're like in the middle of a build out, and they go to apply, and the lenders like, what's up with their cash flow in their current business? Right. And you're like, oh well, well, they're taking all that money from that, and they're putting into this. It's very right. hard to really know that you can show it and, and prove things, but you know, anytime you have to like prove anything out to an underwriter, it's not an easy thing to do. Right. So and I would say like, we do weekly. Getting, like, right. Yeah, they don't, we they don't do like approvals now. No. And, you know. and it's so hard to know from the accounting side, if you're paying for something out of the one location, if that really is the expense of the one location. So from my really, side, like, that's unless, a unless nightmare. It's, it's, it's a nightmare. Cause no one ever like takes the money, puts it into the new business no. account. So you can see it's just all an expense to another corp and then picks up. And then you like would obviously no. reach out to you and say, hey, we have a new company under a new corp. And I need you to take the books for this. It just all commingled. So you look like you have a non-profitable business. Yeah. In your current business. Now you go apply for funding and they're like, you don't get it or you don't get the best term. So yeah. I don't think people understand the power of like leverage. And when you have something that's working and taking that and leveraging it, putting it into something else, like there's good debt and there's bad debt. If you're borrowing money on your existing business to go start something else that's going to produce more money with that money, that's good debt. And I think so many people are like, I want to do it with no debt. And then they wind up like strangling and suffocating themselves because they drain everything out of their biz and, and then now they can't get it. And that's when you need it. Yeah. And then it just becomes this whole thing. So I just, I see that um, we have a deal right now that we're dealing with this with. And, and I'm like, we're like, man, and they took a bad short-term deal, which is only making it more complicated for us, which we're going to yeah. work through it. We're going to wind up taking them out of that, giving them something long-term, but it's taking us a little bit longer now. If they would have came to us before they got into this build out, we could have got them the best favorable terms, more money than they would have ever needed. They could have parked in their bank account. And if they saw things were going good, we worked in prepayment discounts of the whole deal. So they could have just paid it off early, executed their discounts. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and kept it moving. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, do you, do you show people like how to use debt to grow their business? 
Yes, I mean, how I like to, especially with multi-unit, because I agree with you. I mean, I'm not one who says you have to take on debt, but I really don't think it's always the best idea to self-finance because I do think there's risks there that you just don't see up front and the length of time. You know, I mean, I've had cases where I, you know, I'm calling people up saying, your labor is crazy. Like, what is going on? And they're like, oh, I have like three employees that I'm waiting on that are just sitting on that payroll. Like, why? <laughs> because if anyone ever wants, if you need anything for that business, or I mean, stuff happens all the time. Like now I have payroll reports that have employees that aren't even part of this location, right? Like that's just not good. And I think, you know, how I've always seen the most successful restaurant groups that I've worked with have never been afraid of debt within reason, right? Like you have a plan for this existing loca or this location. It has a pro forma. It's going to do whatever, 2 million or whatever it is. You know, there's a ratio of debt that is fine for that. And as long yeah. as your build out is within that reason, right? You're not going to buy a $4 million building or anything crazy, but you know, it all works on the analysis side at the beginning, then really that debt should be for that location. And none of this, you know, game of this one and moving the money over and all that, because I think then that location is set up for success right away. And the most successful restaurant groups I've seen, or, you know, just overall hospitality groups, that's always how it is. It's like, all right, well, this is this debt, you know, hey, if it's great, and a year from now, this location does what I think it's going to do, then I could pay it off early. Like, I don't need to worry about that right now. What I need to worry about is making sure it's successful. And then the cash flow will take care of itself. Because if I believe in my model, then I'm fine, but I think so many times they've self-financed for so long that we don't really know what the model is or how, you know, lucrative yeah. is the location without all of these other things that have gone in for five or six years. So I really try to work with everyone with, again, that three-year plan, like paying attention to debt service, right? Like in reality, if there's $10,000 debt service a month, is that going to be okay? Is that going to work with, you know, how we think it's going to perform? Well, if the answer is yes, then why not just go do that now? And we know we could always pay it back early or, hey, if all the locations are doing great, we could have a year where we're just paying off debt and, and clearing the deck for the next thing. And I think that's yeah, what you also yeah. see in like the bigger groups is like, hey, there's going to be a year where I'm not doing anything, right? Like I was talking to one guy this morning, it's like, I'm just, I'm holding next year, but I'm going to really look at my debt, going to look at like restructuring because then the year after I want to do this. So I got to be ready, you know, and, and really looking yeah. at it more strategically. But, you know, I think, I think the underlying problem with a lot of people that self-finance is not understanding the value. Because if you do a three-year plan, if you're building another location next year, in theory, if you have one location now, your business is going to double in value. So it's not like you're taking on more debt, right? As a percentage, it's probably going to be the same because your business is going to value. Your assets are going to double. You're going to have a, a larger business. So if we look at it in that regard, it may not be as scary or look like you're being, you know, irresponsible. You're really being strategic because your goal is to have a, a business that's three times the size of what it is now. And so your debt might also be bigger too, but that's okay because it has that value. Hundred percent. I think it's a good point too. I, I think, I think people, I think a lot of owners and entrepreneurs are really great at what they do, and they know that when they're a lot of times, a lot of things. There's a lot of gut decisions, and a lot of times those gut decisions are, are right. Like that's what's gotten them, you know, to to where they are, and they've made amazing gut decisions. I, I think the power of putting things on paper. And just mapping it all out. I, and I think when they actually see it, 
it makes it much easier to make the decision versus just like trying to calculate all in your head and dealing with the payment in your head at cost of interest and like all these things in your head. Like when you see it on there and, but what's really important if you are growing, you're like, all right, I'm going to do another location plus another location. And all right, my plan is let me get three or five locations or 10, whatever that plan is. And then I'm going to sell. You really want to understand financing because it could be your friend. Because the way I see that is if you're able to borrow and use other people's money, of course, it's got to be, you know, rates that make sense. Then you, you, you're able to actually like grow a profitable business, use debt, and then you can pull that money out, put it in your pocket. That's much more, you know, that's more money in your pocket now. And if you're going to sell, you know, you've, you know, you're selling the company, you're selling the debt, everything along with it. Now you've made, you know, X amount in a sale, plus you've been able to take that much more out and put it in your pocket versus, uh, you know, um, you know, funding it yourself. You'd actually make more if your plan was to sell. Um, yeah. And that's really a private equity groups do. They buy businesses, then refinance them, pull their cash back out, get their, their money back out of the business, and they go and do it all over again. They love that, you know? Right, right. Because um, they keep scaling up with it. It's it's just, it's so, it's such a, it's just a different mindset, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, interesting stuff. Um. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your um, your franchise accelerator. Yes. So the franchise accelerator program is something that we're launching um, early November. And the goal is to really put together a comprehensive program for people who are looking to scale their business. A lot of times what we found is, you know, people want to go from, you know, one location to two locations, but that can really have, you know, wreak havoc on operations, right? Because you have one owner and now you're spread to two locations and there's really no plan. And I think a lot of times the build out is the easy part, but then how do you run two yeah. locations or three locations? How do you manage a staff of three locations? What happens if one guy is like, all of his managers quit? Like what, are, you know, we know bad things are going to happen as you grow, right? Growth is hard, but I believe that a lot of times what we've seen, you know, especially my background working with hospitality for the last, you know, 10 plus years is what you see is a lot, the difference between the companies that are able to franchise smart and the ones that kind of rush to the end, like rush to sell or rush to franchise is really just making sure that you have the infrastructure there. So this program really is designed for, you know, if your goal is a franchise and three years, if your goal is, you know, sell in three years, like these are the things that we have to make sure work in your operations today, because otherwise growth is just going to, you know, exaggerate the problems that already exist. But if you can do it smart and thoughtfully, then we really can have that growth outcome because, you know, especially in the last two years, the hard thing has been seeing people who want to get out of hospitality, who want to sell their business and they can't, right? Because their business yeah. has always just been them. So they can't, yeah. They can't walk away because the business will literally die if they're not there. And I think that is the worst thing is that you really, you know, put your future at risk by not making your business more than you. Because if you think about as much as independent restaurants hate the chains, but, you know, the chains have it dialed into where it doesn't matter who's behind the counter or who's managing the store. Like you get a certain product and there's a certain expectation and, you know, and I think in independence, so many times it's, well, I'm the chef, so I have to be there. Well, that's great until you sacrifice your life and you can't go on vacation. So actually what's interesting is the first thing a franchise accelerator is what we call the seven day away challenge that you have to leave for seven days and see what happens. Oh, I love that. I love it. 
No, that, that's awesome. I, I, actually, that's really cool because it forces an owner to have to take th- that action. And right. <laughs> you, you, and, and you, you know, I talk about this all the time. Like, I'm a very big process and systems person. Even if you don't want to have a franchise, you should still build your any business in yes. hospitality or not as if it were a franchise. And like everything's got to have, you know, be documented and have a place, you know, um, well, because I think the other thing is really thinking about there will be a time when you want to exit. And I think the other thing yep. that really brought this like urgent for me to get this out there is that like so many people now are kind of reevaluating after COVID and saying, you know, I don't think I want to do this forever. And, you know, the whole idea of like franchise side is that you really could get your business to a point where it's passive versus active. Right. But yep. you really have to make sure that you're not selling a bill of goods that isn't reality. And I think a lot of the franchisees that I've worked with over the years, sadly, hate their franchisor, right? Because it just felt like they're the only ones winning. And these good brands that were probably great at one time have sort of diluted and diluted until just like infighting just because those systems weren't there. Where at the same time, it's nothing within the four walls, right? The brand works, the pricing works, like everything is there. But the infrastructure of the franchisor and the management and the communication and the vision, right? Like once people are buying in, where do you want it to go? You know, you've taken something that really could have been an amazing like legacy to where now, okay, we're going to focus on the brand, but we're going to let people have the opportunity to open stores wherever they want to. And and we're going to drive it forward has turned into sort of like a win right now, but then lose later. So I really think that, especially for independent restaurants, it could be something that is, is really worth considering because it could be a way to where you could stay involved and have something for your kids in terms of your IP or your, your brand, but not have to be, you know, doing dishes when you're 75. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think, you know, I, I feel like too, in, in order to, you know, win in that game, like either you got to have a really, really high end big restaurant that can, you know, you can move a lot of people through and charge like a high end steakhouse that's got big capacity. Otherwise, you know, for like a typical size restaurant, like you, you, you almost have to have multiple locations if you really want to grow and scale and grow your income because how do you like you know if you can only fit x amount of people like you can only do whatever the capacity is of of the restaurant you know and to really go far beyond those sales i mean you'd have to have like a really big place with a really big you know ticket items um and almost like overcharge people and be one of those type of places and even then you know those you're only, you only you get to a point where you can only do so much, yeah. even if you've got like a cape, you know, catering opportunities, you know, like how much yeah. can you do out of one location? There's only going to be so much you can do. So you kind of to grow you, you kind of have to be looking at it as having more than one location. Which I think is also like the really important thing of any stage of entrepreneurship. I think, you know, I, I sort of disagree with the idea of like, well, you're either working, you know, you can't work on your business, you have to work, or can't work in your business, you have to work on your business. I think there's times where that's not true, right? There's a labor shortage, like you're going to be working. I'm sorry. But, you know, I think defining what your role is in five years, like what are you good at as an owner? Like, what are your skill sets? And then how can you complement that 
on your management team. Like if you're not detail oriented, then you need to find that person who's second in command who is, right? If you're not an enforcer, then you need to find that second in command who is. And I think that's also part of wherever you are right now in your journey. I mean, even if you just have a food truck or, you know, very small, if you have a vision for where you want to go, like these are questions you have to answer now. There isn't going to be this perfect time where it's just going, the stars are going to align and you have a $10 million operation. Like you have to think thoughtfully and be strategic. And you said part of our thing is that three-year plan of like, okay, if you want to have three locations in three years, what's going to cost you like a million dollars in the restaurant world, right? Like at a minimum, you need a million dollars. So where are we getting it? Well, well, okay, I'm going to finance. Okay, well, how? Like where? (laughs) We need financials to give to Joe. Like, you know, but we need to talk about it now. We can't just wait because, you know, I think the other thing in any small business, but restaurant especially, is it's so weekly driven that it's so easy for like a a week turns into a month and then turns into a year and we haven't moved forward so having that bigger goal i think is so important because time just flies in hospitality and then all of a sudden it's like oh i was gonna do that two years ago but i didn't do it yet and and then we just two years gone down yeah Yeah. you know it, it goes fast i mean it just keeps getting faster and and i i think you know I don't know if it's a combination of, of me just getting older, but, you know, <laughs> I think that the business is just moving faster. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, back back in the day, years ago, you know, 40 years ago, business moved a lot slower, you, you know. Um, you know, now now businesses, you know, you can do business almost anywhere. And, and even like, too, like, I mean, it's a silly thing, but like with things like gold belly or whatever, like you could be selling your pizza or whatever food in your business and shipping it across the country. Right. So, I mean, you technically, that could be like a whole nother revenue stream. Like I know some pizza places locally that are amazing and they ship their pizza on gold belly all <laughs> around the country, you know, and it's like, you couldn't, you didn't do that before, you, you yeah. know, but I just think there's just some businesses, you know, you know, restaurants, obviously it's more localized, but pretty much all other business has become like with technology yeah. and video, even what we're doing, right? Like people are doing business all across the, the world now and, yeah. and, and across state lines and, you know, across their town lines that they would have never done in the past. So you really got to be like on it and move, you know, move with the times and people want the convenience of tech. So if you have a restaurant, you can't order online and you're that type of like takeout style restaurant, you better have like an amazing online ordering system or whatever. Like you got to keep moving. Because if not, other others are, and they're going to be kicking your butt, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you uh, did you ever read the book Traction, or do you know about EOS? No. <laughs> yeah, as, as you're talking through this, and and you know, two things that I thought of when you were talking, because this is all about you know this is the grow show and all about growth. Um, well, one is we follow um, we you know the book Traction talks about this EOS process, which is the entrepreneurial operating system. And we run our business on EOS and we have an EOS implementer um, who I think I'm going to connect you with, Ann, who's awesome. But basically, it's a, it was a way it helped me really build my core management team. And we follow this once a week. It's called a level 10 meeting. We meet for 90 minutes um, and, it, and we set our quarterly rocks and it really helps keep, you know, keep us on track. And then you put together like your vision for the year, three years and 10 years. Yeah. And it really just like helps keep it organized. And we we have an accountability chart for the business, kind of like an org chart, but 
It's basically like who's accountable for what. And it's really, you know, as you're, you know, helping build people build teams, it's a really great process to follow. And it's been super helpful, you know, in my business. Oh, yeah. No, and by following this process, one thing I, it's helped me a lot as I've grown my biz is I focus on the end result of what I want to do. And then I reverse engineer backwards, like all the things that need to take place. And, you know, doing that along with my EOS process, it helps keep us on track for the quarter, like all the things that we're trying to do. And, and you need like a process and a system because you, once you get to this like great place with your first business and you start nailing things, then you always want to take on more. Usually <laughs> you're like, ah, oh. and then you think you assume that because you did this, you can like do it in anything that you thought. <laughs> and, and you may be able to, you probably can, right? But you got to have like, you got to level up your processes and systems on how you're going to do that. And of course, people, otherwise yeah. you're not, you know, you, you, you know, it's easy to actually take on more. It's hard to do it like effectively without yeah. losing your mind and, and pulling your hair out and, and yeah. profitably, you know, like um, it's easy to spend money. Um, it's easy and easy to get the sales, I think. Yeah. You know, it, it's like getting the right sales and you know, uh, and, 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 and booking those sales properly. I think that's where the, the biggest challenge is uh, with most businesses. Oh yeah, definitely. Good stuff. So what, um, what is, uh, what's next for, uh, for Ann Gannon? Yeah, well, um, you know, we're going to continue to offer free resources. I mean, I feel like right now, especially with hospitality, but any in industry, I think people are pretty uncertain. So, um, you know, our goal is to kind of keep people reminding them that, you know, it really matters what's happening in your business and not getting too worried about things we can't control because, you know, I mean, there's always going to be bad times. But I think what, what I have learned over the last two years is you saw the people that were continuing to move forward, who used it as an opportunity to get better, to improve. And then you saw people who were sort of waiting on the sidelines. And unfortunately, the people that were waiting on the sidelines just right, stepped so. right into inflation. Right? Like there wasn't yeah. that swing back that, I mean, even if you would ask me at the beginning of 22, I would have thought this is going to be an amazing year. This is going to be like the roaring twenties, like everything's going to be great. And then, I mean, inflation has been so hard, especially for anyone who has like hourly employees, I think just because, you know, for most people, the rates changed five, $6 an hour. So that means everyone on your team is making five, $6 an hour more, if not more than that. But if yeah. you think about that, jump on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. I mean, that's a huge dollar difference between where you were, you know, two or three years ago, because COVID was what it was. But you know, if you look to 19 to now, I mean, your mod your business model is just different. And I think the people that weren't moving ahead already, it was just too much. Like it was too hard to figure out what's going on. So our role now, I mean, I look at this a lot like 2020, where it's like, we all kind of have to work together because for restaurants, for your normal independent restaurant, that model doesn't work anymore. And they're just realizing that the labor is too expensive. The cost of goods is too expensive. And now you have a price conscious consumer. So, I mean, they're only going to pay so much for pizza. Like It yeah, might be yeah. good, but it's not, they're not going to pay $40 a pie. So we got to figure this out. Yeah. No, you got to, you got to really be efficient. And I think that's where like all the things like there's so many, like where can you cut costs? Where can you outsource bookkeeping versus maybe paying for one? There's so many like things that you can outsource today, but I think too, you got to, you, you have to be willing to change and what worked is not always going to work. And I see this, like, you know, when I look around, I see it, it, it's all mindset. 
So if you get caught up in like all this stuff, your mindset, you got to be like strong and focus on the opportunity and not all the bad things that are happening. Because when I look around locally, I, I the businesses that went out of business, you know, they, um, the businesses that went out of business, they, they were out of business. Like they, they were already like not good. I feel like they were kind of on the brink, you, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Pre COVID. Yeah. And then, and then COVID happened and it was really like the nail in the coffin. But yeah. When I look at that, it's like, but then you see the businesses that were like always like the restaurants, especially, but all businesses, but in, particularly in restaurants, like the ones that were really good value, beautiful ambience, like the not like those places are packed. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. And like, and they've risen, they've, uh, they've increased their prices, yeah. you know, still and, and expensive before COVID and and, and, you know, you can't get a restaurant there on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so I think if you're not like fine dining and you're, you know, like a pizza restaurant or like fast takeout, then, you know, you've got to really be on and be willing to up your prices. There's only a so there's only so far you can go with that. But like, what else can you add into the mix to bring in revenues, whether it's a you know, a pizza truck, you know, to do like catering, big catering jobs, you know, whether it's adding like an amazing dessert into your location or getting your alcohol license or like, what are like these little things that you can do to, to get some add-ons because people are there every day. Like, how do you, how do you sell more to the people that are coming in? And then, then the reality is like, with certain type of restaurants, you're, that location is o- you're only going to be able to pull so much out of it. So if you really want to grow, you almost have to have, you know, five or ten locations. You know, like yeah. if you want a subway, you know, like a subway franchise, you're going to make as an owner fifty to seventy five thousand dollars a year, like yeah. owning that restaurant. Like unless you're by a college campus or <laughs> in an airport, which because we've seen all these deals, <laughs> you're only going to do so much like. Like how many subway sandwiches are you going to sell? So to win in that game, you got to have 10 subways, you know, and you can make half a million dollars a year. But so I think you got to get really clear on like, what is like reality with your business? What is your plan? Um, And, uh, and then, you know, and then just commit to uh, to that growth. But like, like if you want to make, Hey, I want to make X amount per year. Will reverse engineer back what you would right. have to do to do that. You might find that it's actually not possible in your location, no matter what you do. So that's might where you need to think about. You know, do you need you know multiple locations? Um, and what are some of the other things that you can maybe add in to pick up those extra revenues? And you know, don't be afraid to change and, and be creative and focus on your mindset. It's it's key. It's been you know it's been key to my success. Um, I could have easily got pulverized, you know, during COVID and, you know, we, uh, we really dialed it in and, and, and I see, I see, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, we see a thousand plus applications a month for people looking for financing. The ones that, you know, got, you know, pulverized by COVID and, and feared, fearful and, and just did nothing. They're still struggling to get through it. The ones that said, oh my God, this is opportunity. They, they, they're accelerating and, uh, and they're, they're, you know, really, um, you know, they're doing well. Um, they're still dealing with challenges, still dealing with supply challenges and stuff like that. But they're, they're, they've, you know, even though, even if they've come down, they're back to regrowing. They, they've either gotten back to where they are, they're almost there or, uh, they're doing more with less or they've, 
they've, you know, accelerated past where they were in COVID. So I attribute all that back to mindset though. Yeah. No, and I agree. And I think, you know, being aware of, I remember 08, you know, I had just started out in public accounting in 08. And it was interesting to see because, you know, 2009, 2010 on paper, you know, looked bad and they were, but it was also kind of like the beginning of the upswings. You started to see opportunity. So I think if people are paying attention, like, yes, things are probably going to be hard for a while, but there's going to be that point where you're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And if you have cash and you have a plan and you know, Hey, this is my goal for five years. Like, you know, not to make rush decisions, but there's going to be opportunity out there, regardless of your industry. And I think you have to pay attention to that because, you know, the first guy ready to go is going to be the one who finds, you know, the good opportunity. 100%. And those opportunities, you know, sometimes you only get, you know, good ones, you know, once in a lifetime or once every five to 10 years or, you know, once in the middle of these cycles. So you got to be prepared, you know, and thinking ahead. And, you know, I founded, you know, uh, my business, I, I incorporated December of 2007. I went right into like the worst economic downturn yeah. ever. And what happened after that, um, because, you know, it was a scary time. I mean, I was scary. My house was on the line, 401k. I mean, I put everything into getting the business going. I stuck with it and really focused on being positive and just, I didn't have a, you know, a huge company to lose at that point, but I had everything on the line and every dollar I've saved up until that time, I fought through it. And what came after that was massive opportunity Yeah. Um, because, and, and I, you know, because I focused on it, you know, so I think we're seeing that right now. And in these crazy times, you know, we just went through a long, like, you know, a solid pre COVID it was like a solid like 10 years of everything just back on the way up, right? I know. And, and the last three, I got it like the last three years, everybody was back to having a party. And I was just like, man, I'm like, this just feels like right where we were, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, everyone's having a party. Everyone's accessing money easily. Everyone's buying stuff. Everyone's going away. Everyone's taking yeah. time off. And I'm like, man, I just felt like this, this is good. I remember and, you know, you could have never predicted um, COVID, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people were used to having a lot of fun. Now, you know, in these environments, it's time to double down and get focused. And, you know, um, you might have to put off some of that fun stuff, but stay focused. And, you know, there's opportunity out there and people are finding it. So, yeah, um, if you're focused on it, you will as well. Yes. No, I agree. Good stuff. Well, you know, thank you so much, uh, you know, Anne, for coming on again. Anne uh, Gannon from the Largo Group. And if anyone wanted to find you again, how uh, and how would they um, how would they do that? Yeah, so check out our website. Uh, you can subscribe to our course section, and uh, we're offering you know free webinars all the time. Um, we also have more information in the coming weeks on the Franchise Accelerator Program. Um, but you know, we're, our goal is to just be a good resource for those in in the hospitality industry. Awesome. And they can go to the largogroup.com uh, to find yes. you, correct? Yes. Awesome. And all that stuff will be in the description on this podcast. Uh, definitely go check out Anne um, and her company. If you got a decision, uh, got a question on, you know, accounting, bookkeeping, growing your business, um, whether you're in hospitality or not, um, but especially hospitality as she's a rock star in that arena, um, go check out Anne and her company, Largo Group. Um, thanks for tuning in to Grow by Joe. Remember, it's all about mindset. Um, it's all about growing. Stay focused. 
keep doing what you're doing and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you.